1: Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. Have you ever asked yourself the question, Who is Jesus or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, What is eternity? or Is there a real God and where is He when I'm really suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every day on this program. In these challenging times, we believe that God's Word is the source to all our answers. So if you can, get out your Bibles. And let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message for us today.
2: Today, we're going to look at the adversary. Remember two things. You need to know your adversary. You need the armor of God. The armor of God is divided between defensive weapons and offensive weapons when you read through the text. And that's why we're here is to study the text. Amen. And uh, we want to look at the adversary. And number one, write this down. There's three things about the adversary that you need to know. And so these are the three major points. The first one is the shortest. He is a decided fact. Verse 11 says of our text, Ephesians 6, put on the full armor. Say full armor. You've got to have all your weapons at your disposal. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the... What's the word? So there it is in your Bible... There it is. You can see in the Bible, the Bible says there is a devil. The devil is not a mythological person. He is not a figment of someone's imagination. He is not a figure of speech. The devil is not a cartoon character. Hear me out. He does not wear a red suit with, uh, uh, and carry uh, a, a pointed tail with a pitched fork. He's not a fairy tale. Thirty-five times in the New Testament, you see the word devil. Fifty-five times in the entire Bible, you find the word Satan. The first thing I want you to know, in John 10, 11, the Bible calls him a thief. John chapter 8, verse 44, he's a murderer, a liar, and the father of all lies. Anytime you hear a lie, anytime anyone ever says a lie, he's the father of that lie. The Bible says that he came to deceive. The Bible says that he came to steal, kill, and to destroy. The Bible calls him an accuser. The Bible says there is no truth in him. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8, the Bible says he's like a roaring lion and he prowls around looking for someone to devour. In Genesis, he's called the crafty serpent. 2 Corinthians 11, he's called the angel of light. 2 Corinthians 4, he's the God of this age, blinding the minds of unbelievers. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, interesting verse, it says that he is a perpetual sinner, that he has sinned from the beginning. That's all he does all day, every day. He's the prince of the power of the air who is at work and those that are disobedient, according to the Word of God. In Colossians 1, verse 13, he's in charge of the dominion of darkness. He's called the angel of the abyss in Revelation chapter 9. Matthew chapter 13, he's called the enemy. Lucifer in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, is called the morning star. Revelation 12, he's known as the red dragon. He's called the evil one in John 17, verse 15. In Matthew 4, verse 3, he's called the tempter. In Revelation 12, verse 9, he's called the deceiver. Job chapter 1, verse 6, he's called Satan. He's as real as real can be. He's as real as the person that's sitting to your left or to your right. And the first step in us defeating him is to understand and to recognize that he is a decided fact. But number two, write this down. He is a destructive force. He's a destructive force. The Bible says in verse 11 to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Why would he say that? Because the devil is trying to knock you off your feet. And he's not trying just to knock you off your feet. You need to understand this. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to knock you out. And it's my belief. This is my belief and my understanding. He's already been defeated. He knows he's defeated. He knows he's going to lose. He knows he can't win. He knows he's going down, but he's going to take as many people with him as he possibly can. And that's exactly what he's trying to do. Now, there are several things and reasons why he's so good at destruction. Number one is because he's a schemer. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. The Greek word for schemes, methodia, is where we get our word method. Take your stand against the devil's methods. He has a plan, he has a strategy, there's a method to his madness. He has architectural drawings, if you please. Note, it's not singular, it's plural. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's a destructive plan, and he's out to destroy every person. He wants to destroy every marriage. He wants to destroy every child. He wants to destroy every baby. He wants to destroy every church. He wants to destroy you individually, and he wants to destroy me as well he is scheming calculating plotting contriving his destruction second corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 the bible says in order that satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of his schemes in other words as christians we should be aware that he is such a schemer he's trying to out us outwit us and as believers we should not let him outwit us the bible says in genesis chapter 3 verse 1 that the serpent was more crafty than any of the other animals that God has made. Now, the thing you need to know about a snake, a snake does not always raise its head because they're crafty and they're subtle. First time we ever see Satan in the entire Bible is in Genesis chapter 3. In the Garden of Eden, you have Adam and Eve. Everything is perfect. God's perfect paradise. There is no sin They can do whatever they want except stay away from one tree. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, first time we see him, Satan, he raises his head. And we see how he tempts Adam and Eve to eat of that fruit. And sin thus entered into this entire world. And from that day till today, every single one of us in this room struggle with sin. And then we don't see it or hear from him. Until 1 Chronicles chapter 21, now stay with me, you have to read 356 chapters in the Bible before you ever see him again. Well, where did he go? Well, he comes up in Genesis chapter 3 and then he goes back. He's causing all kinds of destruction, but then he comes back in First Chronicles chapter 21. The Bible says that Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of all of Israel because... God had told David, David, don't count how many soldiers you have. Just trust in me, your God. Don't trust in how many people you have. Don't count how many people. Trust in me. And the Bible says, second time we see him, that Satan raises up and incites David to count and to do the senses. The third time, and stay with me. We only see Satan in the entire Old Testament four times. In the entire Old Testament. There's a couple of passages that we think are talking about him, but we know for sure he appears four times. One, Genesis 3, 1 Chronicles 21, he rises up. When he incites David to do the census, the third time we see him is in the book of Job. He's all through the story of Job. And the last time we see him is all the way at the very end of the Old Testament, the next to the last book, Zechariah, the third chapter, the first two verses, he appears again. So four times in the entire Old Testament does he appear. Where, where was he the rest of all those thousands of years? Well, he was subtle, disguising. No one could see him. He doesn't appear very often. And then you come to the New Testament. Well, he's all through the New Testament why is that why is satan appear in the new testament over and over again because he's trying to thwart the plan of god and keep jesus from being the redeemer for all of us you see there is a hierarchy in the old in the in the world in the universe i want you to understand this all right at the top of the hierarchy who's in charge God is supreme. Turn your neighbor and say, God is supreme, all right? No, listen. There's no one up there. There's nobody up there next to God. He's, he's alone. Then God created angels. They're second in the hierarchy. Not you. You are third. Because the Bible says in both Hebrews and the book of Psalms that God made man a little lower than the angels. Are you with me? Who's at the bottom of the food chain? The animal kingdom. We know, and stay with me, according to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, that God said that man uh, can have dominion over the animal kingdom. Now here's where Satan's subtle tactic where he's a schemer. When he appears, he never shows up like an angel. You know, an angel is bright, they're powerful, they got these wings, and you can't, I mean, when an angel shows up, What's the first thing an angel usually say? Fear not. Why? Well, because if an angel walked in here, you'd go, because they're a little higher than us, you'd go, what is that? And he goes, the first, have you seen angels angel? It's in the Bible. Fear not. Satan doesn't come like a brilliant, bright angel. How does he come? He comes from the, the appearance of an animal kingdom. Why does he come from below and not from above? What's the significance of him showing up like a snake? I think it's because he's trying to outwit us. And if he comes from the animal kingdom, that we as humans, because we're a little higher up on the food chain, well, we think we can control him. Haven't you found that to be true? Whenever temptation comes to you, don't you always say, I I, I think I can handle this. No, you think you can handle it. he's he's outwitted us into thinking that we can handle it. Anytime you ever meet anyone whose life has ever been ruined by sin, if you ever find someone who's an addict and they have destroyed their life, or at least it appears they've destroyed their life, and you would say to them, hey, how did you ever get to this point? You know what they would say? They would take you back to a point earlier in their addiction where they would say, you know, there was a time in my life I just thought I could control this. And now I've learned I can't. I just want you to know if you're wise, if you're wise, you're going to understand that Satan constantly is trying to outwit us. He's subtle. He's crafty. And he's trying to destroy you right now, this very moment. He's trying to destroy you personally. He's trying to destroy your family. He's trying to destroy your faith. He's trying to destroy your church. He's trying to destroy this valley. He's trying to destroy our nation. He is so good at destruction Secondly write this down he's good because he operates in the spiritual world and this is really the main part of this whole sermon today verse 12 before we get into the weapons for our struggle is not against what it's not against flesh and bones and blood our struggle is against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are not fighting each other. We don't fight. Oh, Oh, you think you're fighting flesh and blood. But you're not. You're fighting the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Don't you see that the devil loves to get people fighting people? He confuses us. He outwits us into thinking that people are the enemy. People are not the enemy. People are the battlefield. The battle is being fought in the hearts of man. But people are not the enemy. The people who do not share your political view, they are not the enemy. Countries who oppose the United States of America are not the enemy. The co-worker... Who wants you to be fired because you are a Christian? They are not the enemy. The spouse who cheated or who wants a divorce is not the enemy. The driver who cut in on you on the 405 freeway, (laughs) they are not the enemy. They are the people that Jesus came to save, and the devil, he is the enemy. Our struggle, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He doesn't tell them until later because it wasn't time to tell them. But it finally came in Matthew 16 where he says, Fellas, I just want you to know that they're going to kill me, I'm going to die on a cross. And when I die, don't be upset. Because three days later, I'm coming back. He says that to them. And what does Peter say? You remember, the Bible says that Peter takes Jesus to the side, and Peter began to rebuke Jesus. That's so amazing to me. And Peter says, never, Lord this shall never happen to you. And what did Jesus say? He turned to Peter and he said, Peter, get behind me. What? Now listen, he did not call Peter Satan. He called Satan, Satan. He was wise enough to know that Peter wasn't the issue. Peter is not the enemy. Jesus knew that the battle was not in the physical realm. Jesus knew that the battle was in the spiritual realm. That's why when Jesus was arrested by the Roman soldiers and Peter took out the knife and cut off a soldier's ear and Lord said, Peter, Peter, put the sword away. And he went over and he put the ear back on the soldier. You remember that? Why would Jesus put the ear back on the soldier? Why would he say, Peter, put the sword away? Why? Because he knew that this battle was not between the soldiers and us right now. The battle is going on in the heavenlies right now. That's why Jesus stood silent before his accusers. That's why he could say, Father, forgive them, because they they don't know what they're doing. Rather than fight one another, we need to join together to fight the real enemy. We think that the enemy is the atheist. We think the enemy is the agnostic or the infidel. We think think the enemy is the abortionist. Or the adulterer or the adulteress or the drug addict or that other political party. We think the enemy is the pornographer or the human trafficker or the warmonger or the racist or the cyber bully or the abuser. People are not the enemies. They're the ones that Jesus Christ came to save. And that's why you and I uh, need to give them love and compassion and, and help those who are hurting and those who are prodigals and try to reach the atheist and the addict and the homeless. And the friendless, he's a schemer. He works in the spiritual realm, but here's why he's so good. Write this down. He's strong. Oh, he's strong. The Bible says in verse 12, our struggle is against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual armies of evil. Evil is not some Johnny-come-lately disorganized neighborhood street game. Evil is sophisticated. It is organized. There's a matrix system. It's a force. It's a stronghold. It's an army. If you have devil and you, cut, you take off the first letter, what's left? He's got evil in his name. He has no conscience of any kind. Whenever you hear or see evil in this world, it's him. Anytime you hear of lack of justice in America or any other country, it's him. Anytime an innocent person loses his life, it's him. Anytime you hear of abuse, domestic abuse or child abuse, it's him. Anytime you read about human trafficking, it's him. Anytime you hear of a son or a daughter who goes astray, becomes a prodigal child, it's him. Anytime you live in a country where they call good evil and evil good, it's him. Anytime anybody lies, anytime anyone is deceived, anytime a child is aborted, anytime a marriage dissolves, anytime a promise is broken it's Him. Wherever racism exists, wherever it is, it's Him. Whenever God is belittled or mocked, it's Him. Whenever the Bible is made fun of, it's Him. Whenever a Christian is martyred, him. Whenever a heart is closed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and they reject Christ, it's Him. And whenever they took Jesus down off that cross after He had died and they had thrust the spear into His side and they put Him inside a tomb and they rolled this large rock and they sealed the tomb and He was laying in there dead. It was him. Don't ever forget, anytime you see evil or hear of evil in this world, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against the spiritual forces of evil. And my last point he's a decided fact, a destructive force. He is a defeated foe. The Bible says. Be strong in the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, be strong in the Lord. Look at this verse, 1 John 4, verse 4. The one that is in you is greater than the one who's out here running this world right now. There were some missionaries in a foreign country, and a 10-foot snake came into their house. So what do you do when you have a 10-foot snake inside your house? You call the one who can get rid of the snake. So they called the snake killer. And they stayed outside, and the snake killer went inside the house. They heard all this commotion. The snake killer had this machete and chopped the head of the snake. just chopped it off. And they came out of the house carrying the head of the snake and said to the missionaries, we cut his head off. But they heard all this noise, all this thrashing and stuff still being broken. They go, what's all that noise inside our house? Well, the guy said, well, you need to know, even though you cut the head of the snake off, the snake is still moving around, and they're going to keep moving around for quite a while. You're just going to have to wait till he's done. And if you've ever seen anyone cut off the head of a snake, you know that's to be true. And so they had to wait outside for almost 30 minutes as they heard this crashing and the breaking and all this stuff, the snake thrashing around until finally he was dead. When Jesus died on a cross for the sins of the world, and they took him off the cross and they laid him in the tomb, rolled the stone, sealed him in there. Three days later, the power of God surged through his veins, breathed into his nostrils once again the breath of life. And he came out of that grave victoriously at that moment. God cut the head off of Satan himself. Cut the head off. Wow. Well, what's all this stuff in the world? Well, he's still thrashing around in there. He's still knocking over and trying to destroy everything he can. But let me tell you, he has already been conquered. Jesus will ultimately be victorious because of what he did on that cross and because of the resurrection.
1: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. Four seven seven seven. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.